The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I want to bring up or ask from the morning. Any questions, reports, anything you would like to say? So here, over here. A long time ago, I heard somebody use a name for the feeling, that good feeling that one feels. Do you know the name? Yeah. Oh, in Pali? Yeah. Um, it's a great name in English. It's pity. What? What is it? I can't hear. Pity. Pity. <laughs> I think you should keep one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, 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 it's, it's spelled P-I-T-I. And... Um, and it's, a, it's the Pali word, the Buddhist word for joy or rapture. And then the word for pleasure is sukha, which sometimes is translated as happiness. And uh, those are the two words. Yes. I really appreciated the last guided meditation because I'm a shallow breather, and I was paying more attention and breathing more deeply, and I had more energy, and I was happier. So thanks. Cool. <laughs> I really liked um, the the counting, and I don't know whether you mentioned it, Gil, or, or I just started doing three, one, two, three. Someone else mentioned it. And that worked so well for me that um, I used to um, enjoy the pause at the out, after the out-breath so much that I would get lost in it. And doing the, the uh, pause at both ends, uh, it was amazing because I, I saw the in-breath as kind of something you have to do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I really uh, have uh, grown an appreciation of it. It's wonderful. If you pause, so. if you pause then the in-breath comes naturally? Yeah. It's not any effort or work anymore. Right. Great. Right. I didn't have the experience of having, you know, having feeling really great feelings. And then when you said um, to to give it space, all of a sudden I realized how little space I had. You know, I said I couldn't hear the last part. I went when when you said, okay, now give the, you know, just allow space for the good feelings. I realized I felt I realized how contracted I was. Mm. Yes. So So once you realize that, what happened? I just realized there was nothing I could do about it, and just sat with it. So did you make space? Did you make space for the contraction then? Never dawned on me. I just <laughs> kind of sat there in my contraction. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you think you have some idea what it would be like to give space for the contraction? I don't know. Well, now that I'm I'm aware of it. Um, it's so interesting because when I was in the eightfold path, you're supposed to notice your, you know, how much ease you have. And when I did, I realized how uneasy I was. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the same thing happened where I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that part of me. You know, mm-hmm. so I guess I get and and the the no, knowing that has made me 
has allowed me to develop more ease. So I'm hoping this mm, will nice. help me develop more yes. space. It's considered so. progress, and the path of practice is considered progress to see how much you suffer. Yeah. Oh, great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Hi. Unfortunately, I wasn't here for the counting, but I've done some counting with a friend who's a seasoned meditator, and what I find is when I do the counting, I take in a lot of breath and then count as I, it goes out, whereas when I'm just sitting and following my breath, it's so subtle. It's just like a completely different breath experience. Is that... The, the, uh, breath can take many, many different forms. And uh, what we do and what we think and the activities we're involved in all affect the breathing. So I can well imagine that a certain kind of counting gives the people a, beep, a deeper breath, a fuller breath. Other people, uh, other kind of counting or n- not counting at all lets the breath get very, sh- very quiet. Some people begin with shallow breath and it's, so, it's, it's, it's a quiet, subtle breath because it's shallow. Some people, um, it, uh, uh, it becomes very quiet and soft, but it's not shallow, but it's deep. So all kinds of possibilities. And generally in our practice here, we don't do a lot of counting. Uh, we try just to let things be and see things for what they are themselves. But uh, when people are focusing a lot on their breath, like they're doing in this practice I'm teaching here in Dharma Practice Days, uh, it can be useful to do a little bit of uh, counting to get kind of organized, get centered, to get focused on it. And once you're kind of arrived and more present, then you can stop doing it. Make sense? Thank you. So I had trouble distinguishing between joy or pleasure and just sort of a release of tension and um, relaxation. And when you use the word sukha, it reminded me of dukkha. And I'm wondering if those two words are related and and how do you, you know? Yeah, so sukha and dukkha. Dukkha is the Pali word for suffering, usually usually translated into English as suffering. And... um, and the uh, su is a prefix in Pali for things that are good. Du is a prefix for things that are bad. Uh-huh. And so uh, we don't know what ka means. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff. But, uh, but happiness is the, is the good ka. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and suffering is the bad ka. So um, you said something at the beginning, I think it was in either the first or the second meditation, but there was something around let something be the container. Was it the body be the container? And uh, what was after that? The body be the container for your breathing experience? Or is it what it was? Yes. Yeah, and you know, this, I felt like it was an incredible... uh, invitation because after you after you said that like I felt the whole morning I was really traveling inside myself or you know a new inner world mm-hmm. um, and um, having that feeling of that I don't think I had so strongly before of being kind of at the core and feeling 
you know, my body around me is strange. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess really being in my body, I suppose. But I never had that experience of really, I don't know if it was like, you know, an envelope of energy or, but I was inside. I don't know, when I think about being in my body, I think I was thinking about it from, you know, my head in an intellectual way. So this was really... I was inside this world. I just didn't want to leave. It was beautiful. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if this is a quite appropriate to even ask you, but um, you did years of dancing, which is a very physical thing to do. If you had danced this way from the in- what you discovered today about being inside the body instead of being in the head, you think you would have danced differently? Um, you know, it's interesting because now that you're saying this, I was dancing, I was inside my body, uh, but I forgot I haven't danced in, <laughs> in more than 10 years. I see. So you, you, so you know this part, you know this ability, you know this way of being. Mm, yeah, so maybe it was a reconne- reconnection that just felt very uh, uh, comforting. Mm, nice. Um. And imagine you can do it without having to dance. I mean, that's one thing that I have said to several people ever since I started to meditate a couple of years ago is that I don't feel the need to dance. I have that same... Um, it's strange because dancing, there was really a movement, but I think there is a movement inside, like, you know, the energy is moving and there is grace inside and, and flow and harmony and all of those things, you know, can experience, not Great. moving. Very nice. Thank you. Okay, so um, so to continue in that line of talk about the body being the container, uh, there's a bigger container than the body for our experience for ourselves, and that at times can be what's called the mind. And uh, the mind is, rather than thinking of the mind as something that's smaller, like the brain is smaller than the body, right? It's just a little piece of it. Um, uh, The mind is not the brain. The mind is actually bigger. And um, at least it feels that way experientially, because the the mind, if it includes, the mind includes awareness, uh, does anything occur to you outside of awareness? You know, everything is in awareness. And uh, one of the exercises people like to do sometimes is to ask, is this room uh, in your mind, or are, are you in this room, or is the room in you? And uh, the hope, I think, when people ask that question is that you, it kind of begins to kind of switch your focus of attention from uh, the idea that you're in the room, which is certainly accurate, but the awareness of the room happens within, your, within you. Uh, there's no room, in, your, in the world of your experience, there's no room outside of the awareness that knows of the room. So awareness is uh, sometimes considered to be quite big, expansive, and everything happens within, within awareness. Unless the awareness, or unless the mind is contracted, and sometimes the mind gets very contracted, and it comes up a little pea someplace, you know, a little pea, you know, that's inside, a little teeny little thing that's very fragile, very much pushed around, and uh, very tight. And... Um, and you know, usually that comes with a tight sense of self, tight sense of concern, preoccupation, some kind of central locus where we get condensed. We get condensed around. As the as we relax more and more, 
uh, the mind relaxes and the mind is no longer so contracted. It becomes more relaxed and open. And the idea of an expansive mind then uh, becomes more and more relevant in meditation. And at some point it it feels like everything is happening within the mind. Um, And in mind is the world. The mind includes everything that you're aware of. And uh, whether that's literally true or not is not not as interesting as how enjoyable it is, uh, how uh, peaceful it is to have that kind of state where everything's kind of happening within this wider field or wider um, field of peace, wider field of spaciousness, wider field of stillness or something like that. So one of the things that... um, uh, this uh, 16 steps of mindfulness of breathing the Buddha taught, when we get to the third tetrad, uh, the first thing that uh, the instructions are, breathing in, one knows the mind. Breathing out, one knows the mind. One experiences the mind. And uh, the mind here is, uh, is the, that, that sense of awareness or that broad sense of um, the mood or the over, overarching kind of quality of mind that's distinct from the individual activities of mind, mental activities. So I could be sitting here wanting to have, um, you know, more lunch. So there's a desire for more lunch. And, um, and that desire can exist within a mind that has different qualities. Um, I could, it could be within the mind that feels very content and at ease, very open. And so that thought, the desire, just arises and just there within that contentment. Um, it could also be that, uh, um, you know, I didn't really get the lunch that I deserved. I worked hard today. I should have had something really tasty. And, you know, somehow I didn't pack ice cream in my lunch today. And so I, would, I want more. And it's so important to get more, to get what I deserve and my hard work. And, you know, and so as I get concerned, you know, concerned with, you know, those thoughts of wanting more food happen in a contracted mind, a mind that's caught in the grip of certain kind of ideas of self and what I deserve and what I should get and all this. And so you can feel the mind getting contracted around that. Uh, Or I could sit here and just uh, feel very, very grateful for having a chance to be here with all of you and spend the day like this. And the thought about, you know, it would be nice to have more food just kind of wafts by and just kind of seems insignificant in the scale and the, in the scope of this gratitude, I feel, just being here in a nice way. So the mind, the mind can have different qualities, or the mood of the mind can have different qualities. It can be contracted, it can be expansive, it can, be, um, uh, it can, be, it can have desire in it, desire thoughts, but the mind can be in a desirous mood. And it doesn't really, I just want something, I don't really care what. <laughs> just everything I oriented about what, what, what's in it for me. Or I can be in an aversive mood. And it's, it's one thing to have an aversive thought. It's another thing, everything is too much and everything I want to push away. It's the mood of the mind. So, so sometimes the mind is contracted, sometimes it's expansive, sometimes it's colored by particular moods. And uh, so those moods can be ones that bring us suffering. Those moods could be one that bring us, uh, you know, well-being. Um, moods of uh, generosity, moods of love, moods of uh, kindness, moods of, um, you know, these are much more nourishing for us. And they can kind of just be there kind of as the the container 
for everything that happens within us. So one of the things that uh, in Buddhism we try to take care of is the quality of the mind, jicitta, the quality of this inner landscape, inner or I don't know, inner, but this quality of this contain mental container that uh, in part is understood to be awareness, in part understood to be the shape or the mood of the mind itself. And that this is one of the most precious resources we have. And that uh, many times when people really love doing something or having something happen, uh, it might not be the activity itself they love, but they like they love the effect it has on us, that it relaxes the mind, it opens them a heart, it kind of feels expansive, we feel at ease, we feel peaceful in doing it. And sometimes because people identify the activity with the effect. And then we always have to have that activity. But what we're trying to do in practice is to begin appreciating the quality of mood, the quality of heart, the quality of mind, and be the safeguarders of it, be the nourishers, the protectors of it, or the supporters of it, and try to identify the kind of quality of mind, heart that we'd like to have, and support that and let that grow, protect it when it's there, uh, and bring it on, bring on or support or create better inner landscape that can hold everything within it. Does that make some sense? So when the Buddha says breathing in, one experiences the mind, um, breathing out when experiences the mind, this is just kind of beginning recognizing what this mental container is within which everything occurs. Does that make some sense? Eno- enough sense that maybe you can identify? So um, those of you who are willing, just hearing these words, uh, could you give one or two words to describe your mind right now? How, how, how is it for you right now? Sorry? Still. Still. Okay. Open and receptive. Open and receptive. Curious. Curious. Hopeful. Hopeful. Interested. Interesting. Interested. Interested. Yeah. Peaceful. Peaceful. More, aware. More aware. Inquisitive. Inquisitive. So many good things. People who are having bad things in there, they're not going to want to admit it. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> I'm glad to know why you're silent. <laughs> Grateful. Mm-hmm. Nice. Contented. Nice. A little sad. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. Sad connected to what's happened here this morning so far, or unrelated things? Well, um, what happened this morning brought attention to what was going on last night in my mind and kind of illuminated some certain things, and I'm a little weak now. Okay. I hope that's useful in the big picture of things. So, okay. So let's uh, do another meditation.
Okay, so, so without doing much of anything but closing your eyes, and turning inward within. How are you right now? Or what's the quality or character of your mind, your mood, your awareness? Is that which we call mind or awareness, is it a small thing? Is it contracted? Is it expanded? Does the mind have stillness in it or does it have agitation? Is it open and receptive, or is it turned inward and closed? If, if there's a mood, what's the mood of your mind? The general atmosphere in there. Characterized more by a kind of some sense of wanting something or more by contentment. Characterized more by not wanting something, aversion, or kindness or love. Is it characterized by confusion, uncertainty about what's going on, or about certainty or clarity here? And however your mind is or your awareness is, what is the interface like between breathing and your mind? Is the experience of breathing qualitatively very different than the experience of mind? Does it feel like it's in harmony, the, harm, the mind and the breathing? In whatever way it is to be breathing right now, see if you can experience breathing as, as if it's within the container of mind, of awareness. 
so that when you breathe in, you're breathing through the mind, almost as if you're walking through air or swimming through water. As you breathe in, the sensations of breathing move through the field of the mind. As you exhale, the sensations of exhale swim, swim, or move through the mind. Gently take a few long in-breaths, and as you exhale, relax the mind and relax the breathing, so they settle on each other. Awareness is animated by breathing. As long as you're breathing and you know it, you're in awareness, you're in the mind. And the mind is not you. Awareness is not you. Awareness is more relaxed than you can ever be. just is. And then ever so gently, as you breathe, see if the breathing can be more relaxed, more settled, 
more at ease, as if everything is okay. Just breathing in a simple, relaxed way. In a breathing and simple way, the movement of breath, the alternation of in, breathing in, breathing out, let it be like a massage through the mind, through awareness, softening and relaxing the field of awareness, helping the mind realize Peaceful stillness, silence, letting go of your thoughts so the mind can become clearer, softer.
gently, without trying too much or too hard. See if you can bring a sense of gladness to the mind, a sense of delight, appreciation, an atmosphere of wellness, the gladness of being here, present, practicing, the gladness of the recognition of this inner life which is so big, peaceful, Letting there be almost like perfume through a room. Let there be gladness that spreads out through the mind as you breathe in and as you breathe out.
in letting go of your thoughts, let go into a stillness within, silence within. A silence that is luminous with awareness. Letting awareness spread out into the stillness, the silence. And let breathing be held by the stillness and silence. Breathing one breath at a time. Letting the mind become quiet. Over and over again, gently quiet and quieter.
And then you can take, to end this sitting, take a few deep breaths, feeling your body. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So what was it like for a few of you to include this experience of the mind or the mood of the mind, space of the mind as part of the meditation? Is that something that, you know, just what happened with that? Um, maybe it's just the word or something, but the word container sort of confuses me because then I enclose. And then you say space. And the two kind of, in my mind, contradict each other. So um, Yeah, I can, I can see that. I understand that. So uh, is there some way you can imagine that they wouldn't con- contradict each other? What if I said that... Uh, our, our, the con- our true container is the universe. Okay. Okay. I think that would do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's no wrapper for that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, try, th- try that. Um, the uh, focus on the mind was uh, easier than the, the first set for me. Um, breathing is not easy for me to do. I have a. I was born with a lung disease, and um, it's very challenging for me to think of joy in breathing at all. <laughs> uh, and so the second part where we, I could go outside of my body a little bit and expand, but it just seemed to be a little easier. Um. Did that become, make it easier also then to be aware of your breathing in this wider field? I think I'm hyper aware of it all the, not all the time, but, um, so, uh, I could let go of it a little bit. Ah, so you're still aware of it, but you weren't so... Oh, nice. So it must be, must be nice. Yeah, it's, it's better. Mm. <laughs> um, and I felt I could um, maybe open up and uh, sort of fill up that bigger container mm. rather than this one here. Yeah, nice. So maybe, that, maybe, maybe you should experiment with making the mind, the big mind, the open mind, big, be your home. Mm. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
I noticed that uh, whatever was distracting me before kind of got diluted when I focused on the mind. Like there was, it wasn't as um, obvious. And so at the end of um, the meditation, I was able to tune in into the sound of silence. That high pitch tone it was very kind of like centering. And was it, was it nice not to be so focused on the contraction? Yes. 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 And so so uh, one of the uh, instructions was to gladden the mind, to bring gladness into the mind. Is that something some of you could do? And what was that like? And what was the consequence of doing that? Yeah, I was able to gladden the mind when I um, did a half smile. Um, I could feel more relaxed when my mind was happy. But I, ha- I struggled stilling the mind. I became aware that I had so many thoughts, so I counted my thoughts. <laughs> How high did you get? <laughs> I got seven thoughts. <laughs> good, good. And uh, by counting them, did you kind of were you not so fully engaged? Wrapped up in the stories. Wrapped up in them. Yeah, yeah. that must have been nice. Yeah, it was nice. Good. Thank you. I can add something. Yes, please. Um. I found it really useful, the texture of the breath in um, gladdening the mind. So um, sometimes if you're swimming in a tropical area, you'll get phosphorescence at night. It was kind of like that. The breath would light up bits of phosphorescence of, of gladness. Nice, nice. I've been troubled by a question. So I don't know if it's, a, if it's appropriate right now. Um, I was reading um, with a lot of concentration uh, that whole book, What the Buddha Taught. And I was focused on the Eightfold Path. And then I got to the part of concentration and it said that first you let go of things like lust and anger and that kind of thing. And then the second thing that you let go of is thoughts. And then you let go of happiness and joy. And I guess then you just have equanimity. And um, so all this focus about how good it feels um, seems a little odd. Right. I mean, not. I mean, how good it feels. It it does feel good, and I and I also uh, know something that that I, I've heard you talk about. What the Buddha said about um, the highest form of happiness is peace. But peace is all this peace and there's joy and there's happiness. And so I'm. What I'm saying is that I, I'm thinking about this progression 
uh, down to equanimity. Yeah. That's all. Okay. So I'm sitting here thinking. <laughs> and, and the pleasure for me of the breathing is letting go of uh, thinking and really realizing how fearful I am of letting go of thinking. So uh, you're thinking about that. So what I think about in hearing that <clears throat> is a little analogy or teaching that that um, if any of us decide to go running, after a while we probably get tired running and we'll just quiet down and walk, and that's nice. But we walk, and after a while we kind of it's like we don't we want to rest from walking, so we just stand. And that's better. And then after a while we stand, but you know, it would be nice to sit down. You sit down, that's nice. More restful, more peaceful. And then after sitting for a while, you know, I think it's, it would be nice to lay down. And that's really nice. And so there's a natural progression from more activity to less activity that has a certain appropriateness to it as we move towards a more restful place, more easeful place. So in meditation, that's, that, that's the kind of movements that we're going. So, uh, so uh, thinking is like, for some people, it's running. <laughs> and then if the thinking quiets down, then it's like walking. And then, you know, anyway, so the, the mind gets to a, to a more and more restful place. And, um, but it isn't, the point is not to have just a restful place. You know, just, it's not, this is not hedonism where we're supposed to just kind of get to better, better feelings and better, better place. But uh, rather it's to use this uh, still quiet place as a vantage point to understand something about the nature of attachment. And so that we can really uproot attachment in a way we can't if we um, don't have enough quietness. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but um, if there's a lot of people out in that wooden hall out there, um, it'd be hard to see how dirty the floor is. But if we can get everyone out of the room, or at least most of them, then we can go around and look at the floor and you see where the dirt is, and then you can clear, and then you can clean it up, and then invite everybody back in and enjoy the clean floor. So as the mind gets quieter and quieter that way, you can actually start seeing what's going on in a deeper way and take care of it. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, and then, uh, does that make sense? Uh, compassion and kindness can come from the stillness and compassion and kindness can be the means to become still. The means to, the means to support us to become still. And, we, we, you know, and it's always good to have compassion, so we bring it on any way you can. And compassion for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So one, one more thing and then we'll take a break. And if you want to say something, can we... Pass the mic back. Uh, I actually struggle a little bit. Um, 
uh, it was it was nice. I was able to you gladden the mind a little bit. But um, one of the things I was struggling with is I would get distracted, and then I would kind of like you know kind of come back to awareness. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And then I would get distracted again, and pretty constantly. Distracted from gladdening the mind. Um, just my my attention in general would cut would would come it would get out of the sort of meditative presence and just sort of attach to a tangent and kind of go along. And I was wondering how how I could uh, work with that without using too strong a touch, right? You don't want to, as far as I understand, you don't want to like, you know force your attention, you know, hold it in the direction that you want. You want to kind of be letting go of things. You want to be letting go of thoughts. Yeah. Um, so when you have that, what, what's, what's some way you can deal with that? So if it's not easy to let go of thoughts, then don't. <laughs> and uh, don't struggle with it. But rather, this is what we use mindfulness for, is you turn around and you study the thinking. You, you bring in the phenomena, the experience. So look at it right in the eye. This is thinking. <laughs> and then what do you discover? And one of the things, like we talked about this morning, if there's a lot of thinking that uh, going on, you can't let go of it easily, uh, then the thinking muscle is active. Hmm. And you can probably, if you look around, you probably can find the pressure, the tension, the, dri- dri- the drive, the intensity that's keeping that thinking keep going. And if you can identify that f- physical aspect of the thinking muscle and relax it, then you're more less likely to think again. Cool. Thank you. The other thing you can study is uh, one of the things that drives uh, strong emotions, regular emotions keep coming back, is uh, the underlying emotion. And so one, one of the reasons to turn and look to it is to recognize what that emotion is. Because it's possible that emotion, the emotion needs your attention more than the, the thinking. And you're kind of getting rid of the symptom if you're just getting rid of the, th- the thoughts. And you really want to get down to the cause. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Great. So let's take a 15-minute break, and I suggest we do it in silence again. And so, um, because we'll come back and do one more meditation um, that has to do with concentration. And so to, uh, you know, maybe it's good to be quiet a little bit, coming back for that. And so we'll, let's start again in here in 15 minutes. We'll start in here at um, 2.40, and maybe ring the bell in 10 minutes. Thank you.